This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE Intellinews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE Intellinews. After more than two decades of very little reform, all the ducks are lined up now in Ukraine for a catch-up boom. The new president, Zelensky, was swept into office with a massive mandate, and that was followed by his party, which has now complete control over the legislation, and they've got off to a very fast start. Optimism is very high at the moment, and money is flooded into the local bond market. Next up are serious reforms to the agricultural sector and also the restart of the privatization program. I was in Kiev where I met with Mikhail Demkiv, who is an analyst with ICU, a leading investment bank in the country, to talk about the prospects for the near future. Mikhail, it's a really exciting time here in Ukraine. I mean, we said that there's a real possibility that there might be a boom. All the ducks are lining up. The legislative agenda is like reform after reform. In the first week, they repealed the immunity of deputies, and now they're going to reform the Supreme Court, and it just, you know, it's a long list of things that we've been wanting to see. I mean, do you think it's really going to happen, or what's the mood? Are people optimistic? Well, Ukraine has been famous for wasting so many opportunities in the recent 30 years, but somehow it got lucky to have yet another opportunity, and this time probably it's one of the strongest uh, uh, tickets to 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 get out of the, the the situation the country is right now. Indeed, the the first impression of the new government was positive. I mean, the agenda that was not uh, pushed for many years due to some problems within the, the the governing coalition is off the table because there is only one party, so it can go uh, very fast and very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we, we all hope for that this uh, quick pass would lead to right decisions, because in this in this situation you can be blinded by the by the by the success and choose the wrong path. I mean, even though all those um, reforms you have potentially you have named, not not all of them are positive. Even one of them, the the, the uh, reset of the High Court, was actually criticized by mm. EU ambassador and Canada. So basically, but didn't uh, Poroshenko stack the court with his um, supporters in the run-up uh, to the elections? Uh, I saw that. There, there were some, some games being played in preparation of a possible sort of constitutional showdown. No, or, I, 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 I don't think this is the case. I mean, uh, the... Well, put it another way. To what extent, I mean, Zelensky and any new leader will do this, has to consolidate his power. And Ukraine's political system, state organ system, uh, is famously corrupt and it's full of placement for political players, for oligarchs. And he's at the as I see it now, taking control of the system so that he can actually make some change. You know, this of course opens up possibilities, dangers of that he will you know, go down the road that Putin took, for example. But do you, do you not I think it's don't, I don't agree that uh, corruption uh, is number one problem. I think it was hugely over, overstated. 
during the campaign. And if you look at the first uh, steps, if you, first promises of new government, it was more about this, the long-awaited changes in uh, agricultural market, which for many years country has a moratorium on. Mm -hmm. uh, to, today uh, is Thursday, and finally Ukraine got through one of the IMF key demands is the so-called split reform that would basically rearrange uh, non-banks such as ins insurance companies and others to NBU so NBU would be a supervisor to all these mm -hmm. uh, markets so this was, this was a demand from the, from IMF for years and, and uh, it never came through the parliament and today we and today it was adopt, adopted in second reading finally but amazing because uh, I mean we are now in like the second week of the government and uh, just laws are coming every day yes and, and the probability of IMF deal is uh, is rising and so you, so you can you can see uh, the prices of Ukrainian euro bonds and uh, warrants are going up again uh, one of the Ukrzeliznitsa uh, has uh, produced a private placement for one the, the train company, train yeah. company. Uh, today uh, MHP the, the the agricultural one of the leading agricultural company has issued a 10 year uh, euro bond for 350 million. Right. So, so this is the market placement. You see all these economical, long-awaited. Uh, so it's already. I mean, like two weeks of the working government, and it's impacting already that you're getting some big euro bonds away. You have the sovereign, and then now we're having the, the trains, MHP. When we came in downstairs, you have a retail office where you're selling government bonds to um, people off the street. And we were just talking about that because since Ukraine was hooked up to Clearstream, there's been this phenomenal rush of investors into the market. And you were saying that the, the yields have already fallen from 17% down to 15%. And the government is now, Minfin is, is now restricting the amount, is squeezing the market because it's got enough money. And now the game has become drive down the yields increase the maturities. Isn't that right? Absolutely. It was a long-term game from the Ministry of Finance. Back in 2017, in autumn 2017, uh, foreigners started to look at Ukrainian government bonds again. Again, they bought uh, a few hundred million hryvnias, uh, not much by today's standards. Uh, the, 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 those bonds matured, then they tried it again in 2018, earned uh, a good return, especially when when Romania appreciated, and then started it all over again. To be honest, uh, back in early 2019, it was it was a surprise to many of us when foreigners started uh, suddenly pumping more and more money into the country despite the uncertainty of the double elections. So double elections went well. Is that in anticipation of the Clearstream deal? And so no, I, I, I don't think it was in anticipation of Clearstream. I mean, it doesn't make it has anything to do if, if the procedure would be less bureaucratic, bureaucratic mm. and more accessible for you. Uh, they thought that the the outcome of the elections would, first of all, would not be contested. I mean, you see many countries around that it's not the case. Kyrgyzia and, mm -hmm. and so on and, and second they in my opinion they anticipated that whoever wins the elections would be market friendly mm -hmm. and so far market, markets were right mm -hmm. now uh, foreign investors and domestic retail investors are 
to two totally separate groups. I mean, the first is uh, investing heavily in Hryvnia, uh, mm. so basically 100% of all investment is in Hryvnia, and they were very uh, lucrative. At the beginning of the year, the, the yields were 19% effective. Mm. Now it went to 15-16% depending mm. on maturity, but uh, many have managed to earn even more on hernia appreciation. Year on year, hernia is uh, 11% worse more than it used to be. Isn't it the best performing currency in the world, or at least one of the top three? I, I think it's, it's, it's from time to time it's making headlines like the most, uh, the best performing currency mm. in the world. I mean, this is a risk itself. I mean, import is growing. Mm. Yes, the local producers are not doing that well when hernia appreciates, but what else can you do through a three billion dollar of inflow additional yeah. inflow it's it's huge for the country I mean it's like almost three percent of GDP yeah yeah and on top of that you've got remittances running at whatever 10 14 billion dollars I mean which is another huge source of inflow I mean the third biggest export in Ukraine at the moment is labor it is and the, 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 well, it's not the best uh, export you you produce certainly, but so far it's helping the country. Uh, first of all, to close the the the, the, the current account balance, you know, um, somehow the trade the trade balance is actually yes, negative, and and the the current account is positive because of these inflows, inflows. of the bonds of, of the remittances. Obviously, they they are covering it and and creating the extra dollar NBU is pumping into its reserves. I mean, for like 10, 10 years since 2019 until 2015, and maybe early 2015, uh, the NBU was a net seller of the mm. of dollar, which helped it to some point of time to keep the the exchange rate at eight percent for years unchanged. And now it's it's reversed, so it's, it's buying two three billion dollar per year. There's a lot to talk about, not so much time. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about the land reform. I mean, that now has been said is going to happen, and already after two weeks, we're starting to be confident. What difference, what will happen when you have a land market? I mean, what effect is that going to have on both the agricultural sector, which is obviously one of the best sectors, and in terms of attracting investment, both domestically and internationally? Well, to be honest, it's very hard for the, for the, for the agriculture sector to cope with all this uh, necessity to... Um, Make make to lease to lease the the land plots because for some for some period of times it's like three year contract and they've been constantly writing the new new agreements with having like thousands of those agreements. Sometimes they are trying to go into the grey market to uh, lease those land plots for fifty years or something. So effectively, it's a purchase of the land, but it has to be mm. done in some specific way. Um, I believe that the uh, land reform would open opportunity for uh, long, longer-term uh, investments, uh, like irrigation. So why would you would you invest into these kind of things with, when you don't own the land? Yes, and then you have approximately 10.5 million hectares of uh, state land, which has been leased. Not very effectively, let's say. Mm. Many say it's a it's a source of corruption, and if you considered uh, consider the market value of this land, it's uh, another 15 billion dollar. So by selling this land, uh, pr most probably a country would um, 
would get this money from abroad pumped into the economy. And in comparison to the GDP of countries of 130 billion, this is a lot. Are there going to be foreign investors in Thailand? I mean, aren't there some restrictions? Also, well, so far we don't we don't know. But uh, Mr. Honcharuk announced that only Ukrainian citizens would be able, as well as Ukrainian entities. So, uh, in my opinion, this means the the companies that are registered in Ukraine. Right. So a foreign a foreign company can have a subsidiary, and this is okay. Uh, they would implement some restrictions on concentration of course 0.5 percent right. of all land can be in one hands at, and at maximum that have some regional limitations uh, and so on but th- these are reasonable things to expect sure uh, another big um, issue the new government should tackle is to restart the privatization program you know and for example the Odessa ports um, they tried multiple times under Poroshenko and it always failed and I understand that the list of state companies that are excluded is about to be shortened and then they're going to launch a list of 500 smaller companies that they're going to sell through the Pro Zoro um, auction, uh, online auction mechanism. So it seems like they're going to prep the big companies ready for eventual privatization and start with the smaller companies in order to get the system working and then build it up from there. Is that how you see it happening? Well, that's how we all want to happen. We all remember 2005 when uh, Krivory Stahl, mm. one of the steel producer in, in Krivory Rich, the home city of the current president, was sold for around $5 billion. Until now, it's the uh, most expensive piece of anything put in privatization, not only in Ukraine, but in the whole ex-Soviet Union. And that was a success story, and we all want this to happen again. That was a failure in so much as Akhmedov, the oligarch, bought it for whatever it was, 600 uh, million, uh, and it got renationalized and then resold, uh, did it not? It's almost, almost the same, but a different, uh, different person. Mm. Yes, it, it wasn't a, a success the first time, but the second time it was a success. We all remember until these days, and we hope something like that would happen. I don't know if it would be Odessa, if it would be something else, and maybe maybe even banks I mean uh, uh, one of the four state banks is uh, going to to have a minority stakeholder international financial corporation for up to the 20 percent and then you have all these small companies that are, it's not are not efficient to to run by government but sometimes you it's very hard to sell them because like in one of the instances uh, the company leased their property for 50 years and so it's hard, hard to be mm. to find a buyer for that kind of but investment are you optimistic that the privatization process is going to be started and that the, the you know they're actually going to start getting rid of all these state owned assets well the uh, they, they will, maybe they will be able to sell less than they want because of these obstacles I've just, I've just mentioned, mm. but they would be eager to deliver mm. their promises. So some, in, in some point, this is uh, a game to show that the, previ- the previous government could not achieve it, and we can. Yeah, yeah. No, and the last topic is the elephant in the room is Kolomoisky. Um, the, the president seems to be pro-reform, liberal. However, um, he's got this oligarch Kolomoisky standing behind him um, who is trying to get back Privat Bank that was privatized. Um, and then in particular, um, Gontareva, the former MBU governor, who actually I think is a 
majority shareholder in this bank. No, 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 she's not. She's not owned at all. She's not. She's she sold back in 2014. Okay, but um, you know she's lying in hospital in London at the moment and accusing Kolomoisky by name. And her daughter's car was burned, and now her apartment was raided. Uh, and she's. I mean, that's an individual story. But the the bigger picture is what is the relationship between. Zelinsky and Kolomoisky, um, and people are worried about that. Whether he's going to be independent, whether he's going to promote one oligarch's interests over another's, is there any clarity or, on that at all? Well, in my opinion, the situation with Miss, Mrs. Gontereva is a clear uh, example of a re- revenge, personal revenge for uh, for things that are. Uh, appreciated by many as the as the reform uh, very hard and very much needed reform i believe that uh, the current president would not is not a suicide person uh, in in in, pol- uh, in terms of political suicide like uh, doing anything that you have uh, just mentioned would be uh, not would not be appreciated by the by the voters and his rating which is at at peak right now would plummet. Mm-hmm. I don't think that president would cross that, that kind of line. Mm-hmm. And so because it's, it's not only a red line for, for the general population, but also for the IMF and uh, all, the, all the other stakeholders, and I don't think he will do that. So it's going to be a division of power that they, they have a relationship, they know each other, um, but now he's president that he's going to put the country first. Because he has said explicitly, I will not support or promote any oligarch that I'm here. And he also said that he wants to make the reforms and he doesn't care if he gets re-elected. You know, he's prepared to push through the painful reforms if they're needed to do the right thing. But as I say, um, investors worry because um, oligarchs remain extremely powerful. I mean, not just Kolomoisky, all of them remain very powerful in the country. And that this is one of the obstacles the government has to overcome, is like how to make all these reforms. And yet, they need the oligarchs because they own a lot of the big companies, they're big employers, they're big taxpayers, so it has to be done in cooperation. Well, at some point of time, the interest of all those people changes. I mean, for so many years, uh, neither of the governments could deliver the land reform. It was on hold on moratorium since 2001 or 2002. And now uh, we have a very uh, high chances of this thing uh, ha- actually happening. So I believe that there's some sort of consensus within the, the powerful players has changed. Mm. They understand that they would uh, need to change in order to benefit from, from it. I mean, look at the Forbes top, top list in 2013, 2008 and, and uh, today. Uh, the net wealth of, of all of Ukrainian oligarchs has plummeted. They understand that they need something, something new to, to kickstart their uh, their businesses and some some reforms. And I think that the growth of GDP of seven percent would be beneficial not only to the country but for them as well. So a boom is in everybody's interests. Well, I, th- I think this this is a consensus. We just have to get it started. We just have to deliver this. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michal. Very nice to talk to you again. Thank you.